Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and to build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. Once upon a time, there was a girl who wanted more than anything to be seen and heard. She loved to dress up in bright, mismatched clothes and sing loudly about her feelings. Her name was Marianne. Marianne was born in 1957 in Kent, England. She was half Somali and half British, with warm brown skin and a huge smile that lit up her entire face. When Marianne was little, her mum raised her and her siblings by herself. Marianne was always happiest when she was creating things, putting scraps of cloth together to design pocketbooks or sewing costumes so she and her sister could perform little shows for the neighbourhood kids. At school, though, Marianne had a hard time. She got teased a lot by the white kids for not being white enough and by the black kids for not being black enough. Because there weren't a lot of mixed-race people in the area, people didn't understand Marianne's family, and she was called terrible names. But she wouldn't let those bullies scare her. In fact, they only made her want to be louder. I'm Celeste Bell, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, a fairy tale podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. On this episode, Marianne Elliott, also known as Polystyrene, musical pioneer and the first multiracial woman to lead a punk band. When Marianne was 15, she ran away to London to see if she could make it on her own. She had so many creative ideas that she needed to share with the world. She made her own jewellery, dresses and accessories and started selling them at a boutique. She also wrote down her thoughts about the world and her place in it and started piecing them together as poetry and songs. The first song she recorded was a fun pop reggae melody about a boy called Silly Billy. Polly's voice was bubbly and sweet and her tune was super catchy. But when people listened closely, they could hear that she was singing about more than just a silly boy. Her lyrics were about the strength she found inside herself the power she felt being on her own. She was growing bigger and brighter, both on and off the stage. And then, on her 19th birthday, Marianne went to a concert that changed her life. 
It was out on a pier in the middle of one of the hottest summers England had ever experienced. The band playing was a new musical group who looked almost like aliens with short hair and ripped clothes held together by safety pins. Even more alarming was their music. They were loud and brash. They had lots of guitars and angry lyrics about living life on their own terms. The musicians jumped up and shouted at the audience, grabbing everybody's attention. This was a new style of music called punk, and Marianne loved it. As she jumped in the audience, she decided she was going to become part of the punk scene too. In fact, she would change it forever. The first thing Marianne did after she saw her first punk concert was put an ad in a British music magazine asking for young punks who want to stick it together. Marianne wanted to have a stage name that felt important, like a symbol of the times. Since it was the 1970s and a lot of things were being made out of plastic, she chose the name polystyrene, which in England is how people say plastic wrap. Polly found an incredible group of musicians to play with her. There was Jack Airport on guitar, Paul Dean on bass, BP Herding on drums and Laura Logic on saxophone. The band would be called X-Ray Specs and Polystyrene planned to not only write all the songs and lyrics, but she already had designs for their record cover and posters. The band rehearsed just a couple of times before they went out on their first gig. Up on stage, Polly sang about the things that made her mad like all the expectations for girls to look a certain kind of pretty or how people like to buy and own so much stuff. She felt so powerful in front of the microphone, sometimes making her voice soft and melodic, other times sharp and shrill. She felt like she could do anything and be anyone in the hot glow of the spotlight. The audience's applause told her she was right. One of X-Ray Spex's first big shows was at a place called the Roxy. It was a small, hot, sweaty venue that was packed tight with people. People who loved this new punk music. Most of the audience and the bands playing were young white men. A lot of them had short spiky hair and big boots with spikes and leather. But X-ray specs looked a little different. Or really, a lot different. First of all, Polly was in the front, looking small but mighty. She was dressed in little high heels, a shiny plastic dress and a military helmet. She was only four feet five inches tall, but her presence was enormous. And when she opened her mouth, Polly was loud and proud. 
she danced all over the stage, belting out lyrics that came straight from her heart. She sang about how people say little girls should be seen and not heard because she was not going to stand for that anymore. She was going to empower herself and all women to stand up and make some noise. The crowd at the Roxy went wild. They loved Polly's voice and the message she was singing about, that nobody needed to fit in to someone else's ideas, that we are all free to make our own decisions, like how we look, sound and express ourselves. After the Roxy show, the band recorded an entire big hit album called Germ-Free Adolescence. They got asked to appear on TV talk shows. They had fans memorizing their lyrics. Punk kids from all over England traveled to come see them perform. And each time, Polly made sure to put on a wild show. Using her creative fashion sense and seamstress skills, she put together amazing outfits with vintage pieces and sparkling accessories. Instead of the dark ripped clothes of the other punk bands, Polly wore bright pink jackets, turquoise suits, neon scarves in her hair and big braces on her teeth. Sometimes she even wore dresses she'd made out of trash. Her messages of strength and defiance were traveling to bigger and bigger audiences. And pretty soon, Polly and X-Ray Specs got the chance of a lifetime to play for two weeks at a very popular music club in New York City called CBGB's. This was where all the punk bands with promise wanted to go. This would show the world how awesome Polly and the X-Ray Specs truly were. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF, which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's IFs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. If is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh out loud adventure for the whole family. If comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? Oh, 
Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17. Bring your imaginary friends too. When Polly got to New York City, she felt a little overwhelmed. There was so much noise and commotion. The blaring horns of taxis, the blinking lights of Times Square, and the constant crowds of people. It was a lot for her to process. But once she got on stage at CBGB's and launched into her music, Polly felt amazing and invincible again. She was truly in her element. She loved every second of performing, the electric energy of her voice blasting into the audience, the clash of saxophone and guitar, the drums pulsing under her skin. She loved standing under those shimmering lights in her day-glow outfits and screaming her truth. But the fans were wild, a little too wild for her, yelling and pulling at her, sometimes even ripping off the costumes she'd worked so hard to create. After her shows, people pushed in to see her or tried to grab onto her, and she didn't know how to protect herself and find her own space. She started feeling scared and confused. All this time, Polly thought this was what she wanted. To be in the centre of a new creative movement. To be making music and art that had never been made before. But now it felt like she didn't have space to breathe and discover. All of this attention was making her dizzy. How could she love and hate her fame at the same time? What was she supposed to do? One night after a performance back in England, Polly started seeing pink lights in the sky that nobody else could see. When she touched things, she felt like they were crackling under her fingertips. She told her mum what was going on and her mum took her to a mental hospital to see if they could help her. Sadly, the doctor she saw didn't know a lot about how to care for people whose minds work differently. They told Polly that she was schizophrenic and that she'd never be able to work again. Polly refused to accept this as an answer. She knew her creative spirit still had so much more to say and do. She just had to figure out a way to make art and put herself out there without getting lost in everyone else's reactions. She had to find a way to open her heart fully and still protect it. Polly kept working through her mental health issues as she got back into performing. She knew singing and being on stage was vital for her. When she heard about an organisation called Rock Against Racism, she got very excited. 
Rock Against Racism was putting together a huge concert to support racial equality, and Polly was thrilled to be part of it. She knew what it felt like to be bullied because of the color of her skin. She knew what it felt to look different and be excluded or misjudged because of it. She knew how to make an impact. At the concert, as the X-ray specs took to the stage in the bright morning sun, Polly looked out on a sea of faces, beaming strength and unity. She was dressed in a wool skirt suit and had a thick scarf wrapped around her head. She started rocking out with the band and shouting her lyrics into the world. Then, in the middle of her set, she unwound the scarf on her head to reveal that she'd shaved off all of her thick, bouncing curls. Everyone was shocked, even her bandmates. Polly kept singing, though, smiling in defiance. Her bald head was her way of saying, You see, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm beautiful and powerful and always uniquely me. Soon after that momentous concert, X-Ray Specs broke up. Their album continued to be sold and played all over the globe, but they didn't play together anymore. As for Polly, she decided to channel her energy into new sounds and forms of creative expression. Around this time, she joined the Hare Krishna movement, which is a religious group that believes in pursuing peace and higher consciousness. She spent the next five years in this community chanting, meditating and making music. She recorded a solo album called Translucence. It was very different from her songs with the band. She combined some jazz, pop, reggae and even folk tunes. Instead of saxophones and shouting, she had flutes and piano rifts lifting her voice into soft melodies. Her songs sounded dreamy and mystical. She was definitely changing her relationship to music, art and herself. She was building a new life. Or really, two. You see, in 1981, Polly gave birth to a baby girl named Celeste. That's me. Together, we spent the first few years of my life in a Hare Krishna community. It was peaceful and loving, but I know my mum still struggled with her mental health a lot. She also continued to record new songs and albums on her own, changing and evolving her musical styles. I loved my mum's voice and her creative spirit. Polly continued to make music for her entire life. Sometimes she reunited with some of the members of X-Ray Specs and they played concerts together. She even released another album with a few of them, but it was not as popular as their first album. In 2008... X-Ray Specs performed for their last time together in front of a packed audience at the Roundhouse in London. 
I was there too with my own band, Debutante Disco, with a huge glowing image of the earth spinning behind her on stage. Holly filled the entire venue with her piercing voice, her joyful dancing, and the sparkle of her glittery purple beret. A few years after that, she released her final album. It's called Generation Indigo, and it combines all of her different styles. Some songs on it have biting lyrics and fast-paced beats, while others have soft vocals and otherworldly melodies. She was always experimenting, surprising herself and her listeners. On April 25th, 2011, my mother, Polly Styrene, passed away from breast cancer. It's still hard to believe that she's not here, though, because her influence continues to move me and so many others. She believed in love. She believed in the power of each individual. She believed that art can bring everyone together. And I have to agree. My mum was, and always will be, a little girl with a big voice whose words are more relevant than ever. This podcast is a production of Rebel Girls and is based on the book series Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. This episode was produced by Camille Stennis. Original theme music and sound design by Electra Bar Jockey. And final mix by Mattia Marcelli. This episode was written by Abby Scher and fact-checked by Joe Radigan. Executive producer is Katie Springer. Haley Dapkus is our production manager. A big thanks to the whole Rebel Girls team who make this show possible. For more, visit rebelgirls.com. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review this episode and share it with your friends. Until next time, stay Rebel. Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right. You can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening.